I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Gavin Emmett, and this is the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Today, I'm joined by Keith Ewan and Neil Hodgson here at Silverstone ahead of round 12 of the season, of course, the British Grand Prix. Uh, so, we, of course, it's our big home Grand Prix this weekend. Off the back of a fantastic win last time out for Cal Crutchlow when we were in Bruno in the Czech Republic. So, have we come down off that high yet? 35-year wait we've had uh, for that victory. No, we're going to go up on another one, I reckon, this weekend. It depends on the weather. We've got all, all weather conditions covered, I reckon, this weekend with the old Brits. It depends if sun or shine. I think we're going to have a good weekend. And in traditional British fashion, we haven't got a clue what yeah. it's going to do for the whole weekend. I mean, with the way Scott Redding's been going in the damp stuff, you've got to reckon that if it rains and Petrucci's performance on that type of bike here last year, you've yeah, got to reckon yeah. that Scott Redding's on for one. But Cal, you know, can that... Actually, I read a very interesting piece, Neil, and you as a, as a still a top liner on on riding motorbikes around, slightly offline, but still quite good at what you do. <laughs> no, 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 no. Be it's nice to me. Started. I don't often do this podcast. It's only the second one I've done. You're already picking on me. But you, on. did you read it? That that Cal said, you know, don't expect great things. He said that Mark Marquez is still able to do stuff that that none of us can on the Honda. Uh, yeah. You know, the Honda is still the Honda, and there's not been a, a, a magic bullet or anything like that. You know, he chose the right tyres rode brilliantly to to make them work for him last time out but to expect that kind of performance again you know it's it's going to be fairly um yeah it's going to be difficult i mean but like that's that is one thing we do like about cal he's always dead honest isn't he and uh, I, I quite like it's rare you hear a, a motorcycle racer compliment another one so much and he's constantly saying what mark marcus is doing on that honda is ridiculous and actually, they're almost at the point now of frustration because Honda have designed a motorcycle that there's only one human being can ride it in the world. No one else can. Stoner syndrome. Ex- exactly. And you saw what happened when Stoner left Ducati. It's taken them six years to get the, to, to, to actually redesign a motorcycle that works for normal people. And, uh, I've so been do- oh, Sorry, I've been doing a lot of reading about what Cal's, Cal's had to say. And, and when he looks at the telemetry of what Mark does with his Honda and then tries to emulate it, he sticks it in the fence. Yeah. And, it, and then he tries again and sticks it in the fence. fence. And, and it's, you know, it's like, what do you do? The only thing he can do there from that point is go a little bit slower. And that's what, what every Honda rider's had to do. What struck me was him on Saturday actually railing against Honda on the Saturday evening, his debrief he did with the media. He's there saying, yeah, actually, before this win actually happened, he was giving him a right bit of stick saying they need to make a bike that he can ride, that Danny can ride, that Jack can ride. Because actually, it is Tito Rabat. You know, they, they do it. great motorcycle racers can, cannot ride this motorcycle. But he is in, like Mark Marquez, a, a quite a special position. He has Shuhai Nakamoto's ear. He's very well respected within Honda. I'm talking about Cal, of course. And... You know, with him speaking out like this, they may just take that little extra bit of notice. If Mark Marquez speaks out, for sure, they'll take notice of Mark. But it's almost like someone 
some in some office many miles away is, is not noticing purely and simply because the results, they're, they're leading the World Championship by a huge margin. And they've had two different winners so far this year, including Cal. And, and it's almost, well, why, why do we need to change our bike? And it's funny, Honda have been caught out with that in the past, haven't they? By just going down one line and going actually too far down that line. They've had riders taking points off each other, but it seems recently they do rest on their laurels, perhaps isn't the right thing, but they're leading the World Championship. And it's almost as if Cal says... Well, because they're doing that, they expect everyone can do that, but it's, ah. not, it's not the case. What I want to know, though, from you, Hodgy, uh, and you as well, Keith, is was that luck or judgment? Why was Cal the only one to make that choice? Do you know it, what? It, it wasn't luck. N- not at all. Not at all. No. He, he listened to Michelin. Michelin made recommendations that they should run that hard, mm. and Cal worked out what was best for him, the bike, and the track. Tell you what, that's 30 years old that did that. Yes, yeah. he's 30 years old. Tons of experience. He's been there, done that pretty much. He knew what he needed for his bike and his kind of style, and he made it work. Yeah, some people can turn around and say, yeah, he chose the right tyres. <laughs> it was brave to choose those tyres, though, Keith, wasn't it? It I, was the early on I, in the race. The first time I looked at the screen, he was in 15th place, and I thought, oh, he's made a, he's made a hash of this. Rossi. It's a mis- definitely a mistake. Same with you know, Rossi. Ross, Rossi put that hard back tyre in and said at the press conference afterwards that he thought he'd made a massive mistake. He couldn't make even just the back work. So yeah. Cal Crutzow's management of that motorcycle and those tyres yeah, early heart. on in that race was just... Out, outstanding and, and that's what I don't think people at home realise is the risk then he had to take early on in the race because he had the wrong tyres on for the first five laps of the race and it could have rained it did, there was a few spots weren't they of course it could we couldn't tell could we yeah. we were in pit lane and um, the problem with those hard tyres are they're not working as good as the softs You've, you've such a greater chance of crashing and looking the fool. And everybody would have said, as soon as he crashed, yeah. oh, well, what was he doing? It was obviously the wrong thing to do. But I think to put it in context, everyone went with the soft fronts because they were, except for Cal, and I think there was one other that went with the soft front, oh, hard front. But everyone went with those soft fronts because they were expecting to do a bike swap. Everyone was expecting that track to dry out quicker. It always has done in the past. It's never lasted a race distance before. That's the first wet race, effectively, we've ever had there. And what interested me was he said if he'd have actually not taken that decision, he'd have gone with a hard front and a soft rear, whereas everyone else had gone the other way round. But he knows what's best for his style Mm. on that motorcycle. But Why why, why is it taking him so long, then, to get to this point? Uh, Jack Miller, we know, won a race a couple of a couple of ra- rounds ago, and he said he'd have made the same decision as Cal. Actually, uh, they were talk- they actually it was those two talking in the motorhome before that made yeah. him go with the what? hard front rear. He's had 98 races, yeah. 92 crashes. In no, all it's that not time 92, frame. is it? 72. I think there was that bone of contention somewhere over the amount of crashes. I think. Oh, Cal's had a lot of crashes. He's the first to admit that. If it's 92 or 72, but it's still a lot. You've <laughs> almost, yeah, you, but you've almost many. got to respect him for that yeah. because he's prepared. Try try yeah push try past out. his limit yeah, yeah. Yeah. and we know we've we've crashed motorcycles keith we get you, you so we get blase by watching all these crashes every single one of them hurts mm. and it's it's at different levels of pain you go through it some of them are re- pain that you can't even explain how painful it is and cal's had some big ones so and you carry it forever believe and you me. carry it forever <laughs> you carry it forever cal will carry it forever but do you know what he'll carry it forever but he's won a grand prix he's won at the top level and you can't say you won't win another one. I think that's the other thing people have, have said. Cal has been, you know, when you've seen some of the performances he's managed to put together, I was always impressed when he decided he was moving to LCR from Ducati, and yet he'd made the decision to move to LCR Honda, but then came his best performances on the Ducati. Yeah. I think the point I'm trying to make is he never actually gives up. He never gives up. Whatever he's riding, he rides to the nth degree, to the very best that he can get from it. It might mean that he goes into the fence occasionally, yeah. but... He still rides it as hard as he can. And what Gavin's question at the start of this was, you know, what, what 
not in a rude way, but what's taken him so long? Mm. I'll tell you what's taken him so long. We're in a ridiculous golden era of motorcycle racing where we've got these geniuses. You talk about the golden era about being Spencer or, your, you know, Schwantz, Lawson, Rainey. Yeah, I totally agree. That was a, a, a an incredible patch. The period, uh, the ability of the riders we've got now, Rossi, Lorenzo, Marquez, the amount of wins, the amount of pole positions, the amount of fastest laps. I think never in motorcycle in the motorcycling era it, has it been so strong. So it's so difficult to get wins. It's got to the point where people don't look at their positions anymore on the sheets, on the lap sheets, on the qualifying sheets. They look at the times they're doing because a, one second can cover the front 15, no problem at all. Even the bikes, the independent bikes are in mm. there as well, in that top. It, the, the fact is now, position almost is something you ignore. You just yeah. look at how close you can get to the time. And, and I think we've had 20-odd MotoGP bikes at one, I can't remember which Grand Prix it was now, that were under a second at one point during the course of free practice and qualifying. I mean, it's never, ever never been. in my never lifetime been. No. or beyond. No. Uh, so th- so my question to that is then, the rule makers... Have they done, done the it right? right. Look, no, we've got done three it new winners. Not only yeah. uh, the two in in the wet or damp mixed of, of Jack and uh, and Cal, but Andre Yanoni under the Catti, and they've had their concessions, and it's brought them back into the championship. So have they? Amazing. They've done amazing do with the rules. Absolutely, absolutely. They need a massive pat on the back, and they, what they uh, need to do is pull the finger out and get because they own super bikes, right? Donor. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, need yeah, to, yeah. they need to sort it out in super bikes because. That's a, you know, I know I'm going, to, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I'm using that as an example of they've got it all wrong there. The strong teams, the full factory teams in World Superbikes are just dominating and it's not making it a nice show, is it? Mm. What Dorna have managed to do with the rules that they've finally managed to ram through, and it's taken them a good period of time. I mean, they've played the long game on this, haven't it's they? It's proper long game with the open CRT And all that. that, yeah, all that stuff that drove us mad at the time, but it was a means to an end, and they've reached that end now. They've brought Honda back from their incredible engine management, the electronics that took and cost and had so many people and so much input to manage that motorcycle. They've brought them back one way and they brought the independent teams up the other way and we've all met in the middle with this mix that we've got now where pretty much it's open at certain during certain conditions during certain times i mean honda are all at sea because their their engine management isn't managing their engine anymore in the in the precise manner that it used to be able to they used yeah, to be able to dial that thing in wherever it was playing up now they can't yeah. you feel that it will happen at some point For over sure. the next couple of years so everybody you speak to you need to stay on top of and i'm sure they'll be looking at it um Talking about Cal, obviously, it's the first British win for 35 years. None of us were born, obviously, the last time uh, there was a British winner in the <laughs> Premier Class at all. <coughs> Just uh, <laughs> keep that one down uh, out of there. But um, next British Grand Prix winner is not going to be Bradley Smith here this weekend anyway, because he's out for a couple of rounds. Um, it seemed like a strange one. He's lacerated his leg, torn ligaments in his right knee as well. He was run over by another rider at Oschersleben in an eight-hour race. I thought, well, he, I, thought he was, them, will they? I thought he was lucky when I read he hadn't broke his leg. <laughs> you yeah. know, I read about the rest of the stuff. Yeah, it got. Could, we don't know the. I don't think at this point we still don't know the full extent of the injury. But it could, it start. It's already starting to sound like one of them. You wish he'd probably broke his femur and done with. Which you know what, what oh. I mean by that is when you have a straight break in, in. You know, it's a big bone is your femur. They put a rod in it. You're out for a couple of months and then you then you can start again. If it's soft tissue ligaments, I've had issues with shoulders and knees in the past and. The, those sorts of injuries can linger on. My question is, what on earth was, was he, doing he doing at it? Exactly. At it? What exactly. on earth was he doing at that? Exactly. Event? That's a big mistake. When Alex, Alex made that decision. When Alex 
Laws had turned it down purely and simply. I mean, you know more about this because you manage him. Yeah. But the fact is that he'd won the eight hour, but then had taken considered his World Superbike position and what he needs to do in the last part of the year at World Superbike. Exactly. We talked about it, and Alex's uh, words were. Uh, I don't want to be known as an endurance rider. I've won the eight hour. I don't want people now thinking I'm this endurance specialist. I want to win the World Superbike Championship, and that's my goal. It's ironic then that he's now taken over Bradley's really ride this weekend. How, yeah, how did that come out. about then? Because obviously he tested, didn't he? After well, I'll uh, tell you Bruno, exa- I'll tell you exactly how it came about. Because <laughs> I manage Alex, obviously, as you know. So it came about. Do you know what how it came about? Is because Suji, the Suji San, technical the, director at Yamaha, yeah, who is, all of Yamaha. yeah, he's the the boss man at at, uh, at Yamaha. Really likes Alex. So he worked closely with him at the eight hour. He saw what Alex did. He listened to his feedback and thought, genuinely, I mean this, this lad's got some talents and I don't think we're giving him the best opportunity. At the moment, the Yamaha World Superbike team, they're not lost. They're in the first year and they're working their way through some problems and they're getting somewhere, but um, not fast enough, unfortunately. So obviously Bradley's out and the the man on top of the list for Suji, who is the boss, said, we don't want Alex Laws on that bike. Tough job, though. He's got this one this weekend. He's got Mizano. He's got a World Superbike test in between all of that. Yeah, he's as testing well. on Monday, so he's got to drive. Literally, he's driving through the night. This is no, there's no to private Magnico. jets or anything. So he's driving, th- yeah, to Magnicore. So, um, but yeah, no, but Alex is not bothered about driving through the night to get to test on Monday. The, the priority is get stuck in this weekend and uh, let's see how it goes. The get stuck in bit is is the right phrase, of course, but it's a bit tempting when you're still headstrong like Alex is you've now got a factory bike at your home Grand Prix there's a lot yeah. of conflicting pressures <laughs> yeah. isn't there yeah, it's worth I, the, how well do you what you could know? possibly go wrong <laughs> absolutely what everything. could possibly go wrong yeah. I'm well, smiling I, saying that yeah. um, I've been in the meeting with uh, this morning with Alex and Hervé Poncherel and Hervé as you can imagine very experienced great guy I love Hervé's give him the full speech of you know there's no rush You've got, you know, <laughs> hey, you've got, you know. And at what got, point did Alex look like he glazed over? <laughs> at the point, Hervey started talking. Um, <laughs> but it just what Hervey was saying was what I'd said to Alex anyway. You know, you've got two full weekends. You will be judged on how you finish the race in Mizano and how you improve throughout the weekend rather than how you go in FP1 here. And what he said, actually, Hervey, which makes a lot of sense. I thought it was Hervey calling them, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 he, what he says, which makes French ringtone. It makes sense to me. Was Hervey says it's not about holding your breath and just doing one lap, which it's not at this stage. It's it really not, isn't. You know, I mean, he's got a build. It's the whole thing is about building. No, 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 we know, we know. Hey, listen, I know, I know. But what he said, which is really nice to know, and it's nice to tell people this at home, is Hervey said it this way. He said, "There's two blue bikes and there's two black bikes." And we share all information. And after FP1, you can see exactly what Valentino's doing. You can see exactly what her, her, um, Jorge, not Herbert, Jorge is doing. You can see their data. We work as, we work together. We're a family. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. So, and he was saying, you love this, right? I'll, I'll be quick, as quick as I can. So that was Herbert's speech about there's no real pressure. Two seconds later, Suji walks in, the boss, who is incredible. And he's got an aura around him because he is the boss. There is no one higher than in, him in... in um, Yamaha motorcycling, and he and he sits down and uh, he says uh, he says yeah he says uh, obviously with an accent but he says yeah well just think every superbike rider now will be watching how you get on this uh, weekend Alex because normally motor two riders go into you know like get the progression into MotoGP now 
basically all the weight weight of the superbike paddocks on your shoulder. If you do a good job, it looks really good for superbikes, and if you don't, it doesn't. He basically said that, and I thought, oh no, Herbie's <laughs> Herbie's trying to take away the pressure, and Susie just walked in and just thrown a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I wonder what that bruise was on your forehead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> you banged so, your head against the wall. Talking about pressure, though, uh, it is an important point of the championship. Seven rounds to go. And Mark Marquez is third place. We talked about Rossi and his good performance there. He made up ground, obviously, on Jorge Lorenzo, who had a, a stinker when we were in Bruno. But Marquez, that third place on soft front, soft rear in Bruno, seriously impressive, but also when the championship's at stake at the moment. It's the mark of Mark Marquez in 2016, isn't it? It's the fact that he will take points and, you know, as big but a even, points as he can without chucking it away. It was a remarkable. more points than you'd expect. Yeah, and the more than he expected, I suspect. You know, the fact was he rode to the limit of the motorbike and not over it. And that's the difference between Mark Marquez of old and where we are now. He's a weapon. Oh, incredible. But we all we, we, we talked about it last year. As soon as, I remember you saying it in commentary, Keith, is as soon as this boy learns <laughs> to roll the throttle off occasionally, then he'll become so much more dangerous. And I remember you saying that. And that's, that is what he's done. He's yeah. learned that you don't always have to win. 53-point lead, and he hasn't had a zero this year. He had the crash at Le Mans, but he remounted, took three points. They could be crucial by the end of the season. At the moment, it's taking him over that you know, 50-point margin, which we talk about. It, it, it's been a big change, hasn't it, for, for Mark that we've seen this year. But Jorge Lorenzo, in turn, conversely, he's having a shock, and he's had a few zeros Well, it's now. the wet weather. The wet weather has got to his head, hasn't it? I mean, the wet weather, suddenly he rides, you know, I've got to say, I mean, I can't believe I'm about to say it, but appallingly in yeah. the wet. I mean, I, he just rides like like a clubman. In, yeah. you know, in some respects, you could expect a road bike. To, it's just incredible. I we, never we, never thought I'd ever say that about Jorge Lorenzo. No, no, He's a brilliant, brilliant rider, but it's hard to, to watch. We did have a big discussion, didn't we, in commentary and after the race, what happened to him in the race. And actually, there were a bit mitigating circumstances, same as Bradley Smith, who came in to change a front tyre. When Jorge came in, first time's change, his front tyre had gone. It had gone, but he thought his engine had gone because it was slapping, bits of rubber were flying off and slapping the fairing, slapping the front. And he thought, just by the feeling of everything, like Bradley thought his gearbox... It's gone. amazing how quick that front tyre went on Jorge's, because we couldn't pick it up in, in so commentary then, so why he when would he have came back in, because he couldn't go on the slicks, came back in to change, and they were saying, go back on your original bike, we've changed the tyres. He goes, it's not the tyres is the problem. I thought he thought the engine had gone, so yeah. that's where the whole discussions came from yeah. down there. But the fact remains, he didn't score any points last time. And uh, this championship now is a long, long way from him. I wonder what Ducati are thinking, because they've got Dovey, who was having a tantrum in pit lane. They've got Jorge, who was having a miscommunication in pit lane. And they're the two riders for next year. You know what Rossi's team did? I was speaking to uh, one of the team on Monday at the test. They taped up, in case he was going to come in, uh, they taped a bit of gaffer tape on the top of the tank. And they wrote, this is... Uh, Wet settings. Oh, sorry. It was uh, wet tyres, dry settings, because they prepared another bike. They changed to, to the wets. But they'd written it on the tank. Talk about communication. So that, that he knows. Know. So that he knew. They, they would just scribbled it. Mind you. Pen on mind the you. They've not got a great reputation for communication. Well, that they? was it. So but at least they were up there thinking. <laughs> yeah, thinking about it this time. And you can, o- you can only put so much on a pit board. And obviously, when they swap bikes and it happens that quick, you haven't time to explain to the rider what's going on. So. Yeah. Quite interesting that it's almost that crude at yeah, this that's level. What that's I mean. what you're at saying. At this level, it's a bit, a bit <laughs> of old duct tape on there and a bit of uh, pen on top as well. Um, but just about Rossi, really quickly. He is the main challenger again to, to Mark Marquez with seven rounds to go. Is there any chance? Depends yeah. on the weather. That's the main thing for me. Yes, there is a chance, of course, but it depends for me still. He needs to have 
circumstances that swing his way for a change. He hasn't yet had that. Yeah, with, it, what it, with a blow-up in Mugello and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, he missed 25 points there. He'd be a race win cl- closer to it if it hadn't been for Mugello. Yeah, he, need, he, need, he needs a win, doesn't he, really? Mm. Rossi needs a win. It could, it, and it could come here. It could it? come here. What, 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 what the whole paddock needs is for Mark Marcus to tuck the front. It looks <laughs> like he's going to tuck the front every weekend. In, in all these races, there's so many times you think it's going to happen this weekend and, and it doesn't. Bruno last I, time I, I'm out. not wishing that, by the way. On, on, I'm saying what the paddock needed him to do is tuck the front and lose some points. After he saved what he saved Bruno yeah it's not gonna happen it's never it's going going never. he tucked the front so far there it had gone for a week and yeah. it still came back <laughs> I don't know how he does it I'm um, talking about last year's race you mentioned Rossi it was Petrucci obviously in second place but Scott Redding you mentioned it at the top yeah Keith. I mean that Petrucci ride really last year just you know we know how good Scott's going in the in the in the slightly iffy conditions and he showed it in Bruno again again and that bike works well we know it works well around here Scott is at home he goes well here anyway yeah he's in a good place isn't he's he in now? a very good place he so got- a little bit of luck with, again, with the conditions. Just a little bit with the conditions. I don't think he's a race winner in the dry, but certainly if, if, the, if the conditions are suiting him this weekend, blimey, we could see another British winner. Yeah. yeah, it could well happen. A lot of people, just one thing I, I made, that was a point I made in my blog, actually, but about Michelin, there's a lot of criticism came in about their front tyres and about um, you know the, the tyre going off. But um, it's, is it unfair to criticise 100%. Michelin? 100%. Yeah, if, you're gonna, if, you, if you choose to run... A tire that's not going to run the told. distance. So they knew it wasn't going to run the distance. Yeah. They were told it wasn't going to run the distance. So those tires coming apart, really. All it was was that conditions didn't change like the teams thought they would. They yeah. should have been changing motorbikes. It took longer. It did take. But, and we but, were out there. Yeah. It, but, but to be clear, that did, it wasn't a mistake from Michelin no, at all. No. They've they've provided a tire the softest wet that is good for wet conditions. As the track dried, it wasn't designed for that, and they explained that to the riders. And it, it wasn't like that's the only tyre they provided. They provided a harder wet that, that they could have race. used that and won the race. Exactly. I'll, I'll so. go the other way. I reckon they provided a tyre that went beyond the call of duty. That thing of Ian O'Neill's when it exploded in the front had a, a, a strip of 50... Uh, 20 mil strip yeah. out the middle of it. I mean, can you imagine what I mean, that should have gone pop? Yeah, that I mean, should have gone bang. Y- you have to be crazy to carry on riding. On he that. is. Well, that's what I mean, though. You know what I mean? It was sort of work for him. He came in. You know, he said to his engineer, "Felt perfect." I'm making that up, actually. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> what is the problem? Hey, he did well to bring it back home. Loris Baz, credit to him for fourth place there. Another one with a hard front. Another one. He, he was the, the other one with a hard front. The he was the other went. one. Yeah. That was a last-minute change on the grid as well. Um, Hector Barber, another good ride, actually, from him. But Eugene Laverty in uh, sixth place. And we've heard in between uh, Bruno and here that he's not going to be staying around next year. And he just I th- sort of... I think, think you'd heard it quite a lot in the commentary position. Well, we, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'd speculated a couple of rounds ago and got in trouble for speculating a little bit too early. So, uh, But yeah, we knew the deal would have been done quite a while ago. And uh, like I say... Um, we he's on up. his way. Good luck to him. It's yeah, good luck to him. I'm disappointed. Yeah, me too. Now because, because he's riding well. He's riding so well. And mm. he's... It's, you've got to give... I think you need three years on a MotoGP bike. Having now ridden one, we can talk about that another time maybe, but... <laughs> Uh, they are so different. They are so difficult. They are like no other machine you've ever ridden. You need three years. And I tell you, in his second year, Eugene Lavity, where is he in the championship? 10? Somewhere there. 10 or 11. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he deserves, and he deserves a, a, you know, the latest bike. He, sh- he should be riding MotoGP on a 2017 bike. Instead, unfortunately, he's riding in World Superbikes. But my question is, he's had a P4 this year, he's had a sixth place as well. Is he going to get that on an Aprilia in World Superbikes? Well, no, no, it's not. No, he's not. Is that sort of thing going to be regular? No, I think it's... 
well, I think he's going to have a tough time in World Superbikes because yeah. it's Run not a full factory Aprilia. You know, Honda are bringing back uh, extra things over there. Yeah, as and, well, and it's so. uh, Sean Muir's team, and Sean runs a great team, but it's their first year running this motorcycle. Uh, next year will be the first year, so it's going to be a real learning curve for everybody. I think. Uh, I just, I just genuinely wish he'd stayed here. Eugene's yeah. kind of spent a career slightly out of step, hasn't he? Just yeah. the wrong end of contracts, the wrong, wrong end timing. of timing. Yeah. yeah, it's just been a. And a, I remember commentating on him in BSB when he was in Supersport back then. He was, he always had the better, pretty much of Cal, Tom Sykes, people like that that were, were Supersport runners at that time. I always remember thinking Eugene just had that little extra pace. Well, that's when he came to 250s after that. And that was a disaster. And, and he was on a kit, and it was, you know, he had a year on that, and it was just a disaster waiting to happen. And obviously, he's had some great years, and we want him to be back up there because clearly he's got the talent. God, to I do rate, it. I really rate Eugene. But he's right. 30. Yeah. He's 30. I mean, you only got to look at the logjam yeah. of talent that's coming up from, from Moto3. Mm. Uh, and it's scary to see how quick some of these kids are that are coming through. And, and they've got investment time, they've got 10 years of riding yet, yet in them. Mm. Hey, looking at Valentino, he might have another nine. Oh, <laughs> um, Just uh, want to talk about Moto2 really quickly. Jonas Folger taking out the win, of course, in Bruno. And actually, it's his first win of the season. He should have won probably in the first round in Qatar when he threw it down the row. Well, he should have won as well. When he, was it Saxon Ring when he just yeah. d- didn't quite get under Zarco? Zarco outthought him on the final corner. Well, that'll be a boost for him, won't it? Thinking yeah, he needs it. Three next year. He needs it, really. Yeah. He's had a very disappointing season. Uh, another... In confidence cons- rider. Confidence rider, uh, been very inconsistent. We know he's got the talent, and uh, I'm sure Hervé Pontrell was probably sw- has, has been sweating ever since because ever since they signed him for that really good ride, the Tech Three ride. Jonas has been a bit disappointing, hasn't he? Well, it? he was in so. the frame last year, wasn't he, for Bradley's yeah. ride? I mean, it was it was it was you know Hervé was looking at him last year, so uh, he's he's a year later getting him signed, and you still wonder. I reckon it'll work for him personally. Tech I hope three. so. I always, yeah, yeah. I, think I, I always. Want I think with Zarko there as well beside him, oh, I think that's a good little team. Hey, talking to Zarko, he's had a bit of a boost in a funny way. Alex Rins obviously has been injured uh, on a. I heard it was a mini moto crash for him, breaking yeah. a collarbone. He's had it fixed. He says he's going to be okay. But loads of people actually have had injuries. Bradley, we spoke about. Andrea Davizioso, we were at the test out myself and uh, Neil out in Mizano when he. Crashed and he's, he's tweaked his knee, ligaments his in his knee, knee and he's unsure how he's going to be. Dommy Egerton's had a motocross crash. Yeah, he's a loose shoulder. Looty, is he still out? What's, what's Luti's Luti's in, he's, is he, I think he's supposed to be around, but... I reckon we could have a comeback here, Keith, me and you. There's, 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 <laughs> Let's not go to... I've got The fog of time has affected you, is all I can yeah. say. You forget I had the stopwatch out in Mizzou oh, last week. There'll be no comeback. That wasn't a stopwatch, it was an egg timer. It was worse than... It was the sundial, let's get it right. And I've just got to mention... We mentioned Moto2 quickly. We've got to mention John McPhee as well, haven't we? We talk about the, the British winner oh. in the Premier Class, but first Scottish winner since Bob McIntyre, 1962, you know John what? McPhee. Really amusingly, and I've, I've got to tell this little story. Uh, I came up here yesterday, Wednesday, and uh, I was sat in the cafe having a, a cup of tea with John McPhee and Mark Keane, obviously he's, he's race engineer. Good good bloke as well, Mark, obviously. And uh, they Mark had managed to purloin a DB9 Aston Martin but he wouldn't let John have the keys for it. And uh, there was a PR job that I think you were doing, Hodgie. And I said, you've got to give it to the kid. And he's, he's got you know, a young lady with him from Miami as well. So he, he suddenly had the full set, the American 
the American Molly, the DB9, and across he was going for the PR job to go and see Hodgie. And Hodgie, when I spoke to him last night, didn't know that I was party to all of this. Yeah, he said, you should have seen him. He turned up smoking an Aston Martin. I was swearing, wasn't there? There were a few <laughs> swear words. But what happened was, I was John was late, so I came out of this building looking for John to turn up. I see this lovely Aston Martin DB9 driving up, so I'm clearly looking beyond that because I'm thinking, well, it's not going to be John. As it comes nearer to me I saw this really attractive girl sat in the passenger seat and I thought hey up and um, as you do <laughs> and then that's it, you in trouble uh, uh, it pulls up right next to me and I'm like oh my god and then I, I couldn't stop swearing because I'm like John McPhee <laughs> so what my question is is the high life going to get too much <laughs> no, no I mean his feet are firmly firmly on the ground we're looking forward to next year Really, I mean, his preference is a Honda. Uh, the, this weekend, this next week or two, I think, is the finalisation of um, w- where the factories are allocating their bikes, KTM and Honda, and obviously Mahindra as well, Mahindra Peugeot as well. Uh, all those facts and figures are all in now at Erta. They now have that little sift through. Um I think they've, they're, they're, they're contracted to supply 14 bikes each. Yeah, Honda, there's, a, there's a new KTM. rule, isn't there? They, yeah. they, they, they've yeah. got to, uh, uh, at the capped fee, so yeah. no one's making any more money out of it. But, of course, if you've got 20-odd people that want a KTM, then six of them are going to be unfortunate, and they're going to have to look for something else. And likewise with Honda, if you've got 20-odd people that want a Honda. Good thing it's that close anyway. I love it, yeah. You know, it's not like you well, have to go Well, even the Mahindra's close, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've seen, what, two wins? Two wins, yeah, this year? yeah. So his preference is a Honda. And he's on the list for a Honda. Good. I checked I, it. I like the sound of that. I looked. Yeah. <laughs> well, that <laughs> win will have done him a world of good, confidence-wise and everything for the rest of the season. And uh, let's hope this weekend as well here at Silverstone. Uh, but we'll leave it there and hope you enjoy uh, everything this weekend. Thanks to Keith. Thanks to Neil as well. Make sure you download the review podcast as well, following the race here at Silverstone. And of course, every session is live this weekend on BT Sport 2, when you can also catch a glimpse of Neil Hodgson riding the Ducati Desmosedici, uh, the first non Ducati contracted rider to do so but he is a world champion with him and he did a good job so uh, make sure you join us all weekend on BT Sport 2 should be a great weekend here at the British Grand Prix Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.